What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. Before I come across the table and rip Barry's throat out. Kevin Sherrington. I'm going to say to you what you said to me a while ago. Shut up. Barry Horn. I'm going to bring milk and cookies next week. Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Ballsy. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we'll be talking about the Rangers. And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting additions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the Rangers Ballsy with a Z Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Podcast ballsy i am kevin sherrington i'm barry horn and joining us on the phone as usual as usual from beautiful orlando florida where it's sunny and bright and and mickey is running down the highway is pulling money out of everybody's wallet (laughs) that's right is our very own evan grant evan good good to have you with us before we start i'd like to know did you see the georgia game the other day Yes, I did. I watched it all, and I take my hat off to Auburn. They kicked George's tail. Uh, it was thorough. It was complete. Bulldogs are hoping. I, I would really like to see the Bulldogs get an opportunity to rematch with them in the SEC championship, and I'm sure you've addressed all this on your college podcast, but uh, while Oklahoma is very much in the driver's seat right now, I still feel like if Georgia wins out, the SEC champion is going to be in the playoffs. Well, yeah. Now, how many? How many? Uh, well, how 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 many SEC teams will be in the champion in the playoff? Uh, listen, you know what, guys? I I really think that at this point in time, after we have spent so many weeks like doing our top four, if we haven't realized that mass chaos remains in play. Uh, then shame on us. But here we are sitting here right now, and there's two ACC teams in the top four, and who would have thought that? So um, I I think there's still a whole lot to be played out, but I do think that um, the the main takeaway for me this week is that the the Big 12 is really in a good position to get a team in the playoff this year, uh, but only if it's Oklahoma. Um, and, and I think the ACC has, has put themselves in position to guarantee themselves a spot unless somebody trips up before that championship. Evan, thanks very much for joining us on the College Football Ballsy Podcast. But now, we're, let's Kevin, let's shift over to why Evan's really here. Evan, why you're really here is because uh, uh, we pay you to do this, and we pay you good money for you to be on this podcast. Wait till David Moore hears right. that. Yeah. Uh, is that you're you're at the GM meetings now? Uh, let me ask you this: Do you expect anything to happen at the GM meetings as that would no, benefit the Texas Rangers? Nothing's going to happen at the GM meetings, and nothing really ever does. The last time I think something happened at the GM meetings was the Braves signing uh, Bartolo Colon a year or two ago, and um, as it turns out, they probably had met with him illegally before they signed him. So um, the GM meetings take place about a week after free agency starts and really these meetings are more about general managers getting briefed on rules so forth and so on most of the meetings between clubs and 
and in, in other clubs and clubs and agents are informal, fact gathering, due diligence. Nothing gets done here. It is just an opportunity for these guys to end up at the Waldorf Astoria and for the media to pay $5.31 for an eight-ounce Coke. So why are you there? And this is not what you told our boss, Gary Level. Well, I, honestly, I think one, one reason that the media does attend these things is, well. You want to rethink this? Let's start that again. Evan, why are you there? I ask myself this question a lot, but I think one thing is that, you know, you get an opportunity FaceTime with 30 different GMs, um, and so you do get an opportunity to talk to John Daniels at length. Uh, much more than you do regular during the during the course of the week. Uh, there have been occasions in the past where guys have been posted uh, during during the GM meetings. It is a time to kind of kick things off. But I will just give you this: the hot topic for every media member is Shohei Otani. I knew that Shohei was Otani, Shohei Otani. And let me tell you how much the GMs talked about Shohei Otani with one another last yesterday. Zero. It wasn't brought up. The, the, the posting process was not addressed with the GMs yesterday. Uh, and when, when media members wanted to ask direct questions about Otani, all anybody wanted to do was, was dodge it. So I think the Otani thing is going to kick off free agency, and not until all of the posting rules have been put into place and not until Otani is briefed on that, not until the Japanese, uh, the Nippon Professional Baseball League is is um, uh, briefed on that, and not until the 30 teams are briefed on that are we going to start to get real movement, at least on the pitching market. Can you at least clear up how to spell his last name? No, I can't. Um, I I will tell you this. I think the proper way is uh, O-H-T-A-N-I. That's what's on the back of his jersey with the Nippon Ham Fighters. Uh, For some reason, it had gotten spelled O-T-A-N-I initially with – in American media, and because of that, the search engine optimization uh, for O-T-A-N-I is the way just about every newspaper and outlet has gone to it. But I'm told by Japanese media members, it really, either way, is acceptable. So how will you be spelling it every fifth day uh, next season with the Rangers? Wow. Um, Let's get to that point first. I, I, I think that the Rangers, look, here's, here's where we stand on this. The Rangers have the most money available to them in the international bonus pool, which is the one real separator, theoretically, uh, in terms of money that will be available to Otani. Their advantage amounts to $285,000 over the Yankees, which is nothing for a guy who's giving up uh, close to $200 million by, by not going to the uh, by not waiting a year. Because of that, I think what it comes down to for Otani is it's going to come down to where he wants to play, where he feels most comfortable. The Rangers have put a lot of work into developing a relationship in Japan. The Darvish, the Darvish signing was an investment in upgrading their pitching and also giving themselves a presence in Japan five years ago. Uh, they have, by and large, acquitted themselves very well with the Japanese teams. Uh, and with, with Japanese officials, uh, and that may help put Otani at more ease. But I think that every GM here, uh, short of probably 10 teams that just don't have any ability to sign him and don't really have an ability to contend next year, 
I, I think that every team feels like they've got a legitimate case, and they also feel like right now they have no real feeling as to what Otani will end up doing. Yeah, because here's the thing with that, that presence in Japan. I, I think that works to help you find players that are diamonds in the rough. I believe it helps you. That's, it's exactly what Donnie Nelson has done with the Mavericks. You know, he, he has gone out around the world and found players, and, and, uh, and, and, and not a lot of them, obviously, but he has found players that had a shot, and, they, and some worked out and some didn't. Some worked out pretty great. Um, but the, the thing is, to me, everybody knows about Shohei Otani. And so, to me, this is not going to give them any kind of advantage in this at all. No, that that part of it. Who knows him? That's I, that's not what I'm talking about. No, no, I know what I you're saying. I, I get what you're saying I, I about the comfort levels and all that. I think that, that I think that all does levels, mean something. And I think the key word here is trust. And you know, I, I I don't want this to get into broad generalizations, but when people start to talk about Japanese culture and Japanese baseball players, the idea of of, of trust and respect is always brought up. And I think if you have established some level of trust, uh, you do create some level of comfort. Now, does that outweigh the possibility of, say, going to the largest media market in, in, the, in the world and pitching for a team that's got ridiculous uh, tradition and that has the ability to – that went to the seventh game of the ALCS this year? Uh, all of those things are, are significant factors. I think these are the factors that, that I mentioned that kind of lean towards the Rangers. It does not mean in any way it will be a deciding factor. And I think one thing that, again, I have to underscore is most of the GMs here feel like they don't have a real good grasp on how this guy will end up picking his team. Yeah, he, what, the, what the deciding factor will be. Yeah, and, and I, I'm sure that's right. But here's the thing for me, and this is where uh, your old pal, you Darvish, comes in uh, again. They're very close, correct? They are close. Yes. I think they're also I, – I think Otani is also – you know, if you talk to people, they also give you the impression that Otani is a very independent thinker as well. Okay, and that's good to know. I'm very good to know. But if I'm in, if I'm in his shoes – and I'm considering this move, or obviously I want to make this move to, to the big leagues, I'm going to go, and he's a smart guy, I'm going to go to a guy who was a god in Japan, and I'm going to say to him, so, what was this like? What, should, what, do, what do you think? And, and from what everything we could tell of this move that Darvish made from Texas to the Dodgers was that he very much appreciated what was done for him in Texas, but he talked about how he, rejuvenated right. he was when he got to Los Angeles and to play for the Dodgers, and he didn't—he wasn't really explicit in what he meant by being rejuvenated by that out there. But I'm assuming what that meant was that he is in a market where obviously they got a lot of resources. That they were going to be uh, uh, could possibly be a World Championship team right on the right on the the edge of it anyway, and making it to the World Series. All of those things were factors for him, and I have to think that that's going to be a heavy influence on Otani's decision-making process. Um, I, and I, I think that after talking to Darvish, um, 
briefly and, and obviously be a text and, and through some interpretation, everything I get back from Darvish is that in retrospect, uh, if he had any uh, level of um, uh, discomfort with the Rangers or awkwardness with the Rangers, a lot of that was initially due to just the, the coming to the U.S. and not having any background with how coaching and communication went on in the United States. Um, I think that, you know, as we go back and, and look at things, clearly Darvish and A.J. Pierzynski, uh didn't really see eye to eye when they were teammates here. But, I, you know, what you told me after all of this came out, and, and I, I think he was trying to be very, very cordial, very respectful of, of the opportunity he got with the Dodgers, uh, was this, that his experience with the Dodgers was really fulfilling. But it also allowed him to realize that the Rangers fans and the Rangers club had treated him very well and that it wasn't a question of uh, – it wasn't a question of him not enjoying himself here. I think he felt the level of, of pressure that was on him, and I think he didn't have anything to compare it to. And when he got to L.A., he realized, A, this, first of all, that team had a huge lead. He could just afford to go out and pitch the way he wanted to, and they didn't have a whole lot to basically – say you, you, we need you to do this or we need you to do that and he was pitching behind Clayton Kershaw which is always a good thing for for putting somebody's mind at ease so are you but saying are you saying are you saying he didn't know how good he had it when he was here until he left yes I think I think in a lot of ways he is I, I am saying that I, I think that's a really good way to sum it up is you know this is your first experience in Major League Baseball this is your you don't have anything to compare it to and and I think that you know, you, you get to L.A. and you realize, hey, it is it is pretty good here. And all things considered, it's pretty similar to what I had in Texas. Let me ask you this, because uh, do you feel like you, Darvish, chafed a little bit under the pressure of having to be an ace? Chafed? I don't think is the right word. I do think that there were times when it did get to him because I do think he is a perfectionist. I do think that um, there are not there are times when he's not willing to say, hey, this is good enough, that he's always striving to be a little bit better than he was. And I do think that that can lead to some, for lack of a better term, performance anxiety. And I think that might be, that might be a reason why he really struggled in the World Series against the Astros. So, Evan, you're out there at the GM meetings. Do you get any sense of uh, what it may have cost, his last two starts may have cost you, Darvish, uh, in dollars and cents for next season? I don't think he cost himself significant money. I, I, I think had he pitched really, really well in those last, world, those last two World Series games, he might have been looking at going from, say, a 25 million dollar a year or 24 million dollar a year pitcher to 27 or 28 that he didn't pitch well I don't think is going to impact that 24 or 25 million dollar figure maybe it comes down a million maybe maybe it comes down two million if you know Otani signs with a team that would have had Darvish high on its radar but I do not get a sense that this is going to that all of a sudden teams are going to say 
yeah, we're not in on Darvish. Either you were in on Darvish or you weren't, He's, and you were going to be willing to pay the price uh, before game three of the World Series, and you're going to be willing to pay the price now. Is, is there a team out there that could afford to sign both, that would sign both, and do you think that would help both? Oh, I, Otani I and Darvish? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think there's a separate budget for every team for Otani based on the fact that he's going to be incredibly affordable, all things considered. I mean, sure. you're talking about for next year with the signing bonus, with the international bonus money, with all of that, you're going to pay the guy less than $4 million for the year. But and your, your, commit, your commitment to him is going to be maybe $30 million over the course of six years. But there may be a team that needs one pitcher for his rotation. They sign Otani, and they want to take that other money and say give it towards maybe put it towards a Hosmer or a uh, Lorenzo Cain or a, um, uh, a a different position. I, I do think that there are teams that you know the Rangers are a team that needs multiple pitchers. Yes. If they sign Otani, I don't think it rules them out from signing another pitcher. But I do think that their resources. The way they're going to allot them, I think that they're going to be playing in about a 14 or $15 million range per pitcher, and I think Darvish is going to be well above 20 Yeah, I think the thing for me with Darvish is that uh, it only takes one team. You know, right. You, you, right. I'm sure there are one or two teams that are, that are saying right now, or we'll watch the World Series and say, say no, no, we're not putting out the money for that guy. But there'll still be guys, teams that will. Uh, and, and so it, it won't it won't affect him from that standpoint. He's still the best free agent pitcher on the market. I don't think there's I, I, Jake Arrieta is the only one who comes close to uh, to to that. And I think what teams will look at is that Jake has probably peaked and is going down the other direction. Uh, people still think that, that Darvish perhaps he had a pretty is good not. second half of the season. This he year. did, he did. But but I just think that people are looking at Darvish as a guy who, who's. He was throwing 97, you know, last year after he's had his Tommy John surgery. This is a guy who still maybe has a, an opportunity to reach that potential. And whether, whether he yeah, ever I does think, or not, I don't know. I think, Kevin, you, you, you're very much um, on track there. Uh, we're going to do something digitally in which, you know, we talk about the top-tier free agent pitchers and then the next, the, the, the kind of middle tier, and then, uh, the, the five middle-tier guys and then five guys who would be worth kind of a flyer or a one-year deal. And I've got five that I can do in that bottom category. I've got five that I can do in that middle category. But there's only three guys in that top category. It's Otani, Darvish, and Arietta. And I think once you get past Arietta, who I still think is going to be in the 19 or $20 million range, then you're talking about a drop of 3 or $4 million per year towards – and Alex Cobb or a Lance Lynn, two guys who I think are really, really similar, and two guys who I think you will see the Rangers pretty significantly involved with. But that's a significant drop so in terms of annual value. You're you're, and, ru- and you're ruling out Arietta for the Rangers. I think so. I just think he's going to be above the Rangers' price point. And you know, I, I, I I'm, I'm just kind of tired of this whole idea of you know guys coming home to Texas. And, right. Yeah. And it just doesn't matter. They're going to go where the money is. Sure. And I think Arietta is going to have a better opportunity to make bigger money somewhere other than, than, than Texas. Yeah, and I agree with that. And, again, and that brings us to the, to the point to me about who the Rangers are. And you wrote a, a, a column about that, about establishing an identity. And, uh, and what you were talking about were, 
were things about are they going to be numbers crunchers? Are they going to be scout driven? What are they going to do? And I think those are all really good points. For me, establishing who they are goes to the point of what is this team going to do going forward? Because they're clearly not on a, on a, the same level of the Astros right now. Um, and, and Kevin, I think to that point, they're never going to go the Astros route. They're not going to tank for two or three years to stockpile top picks. Absolutely they're not. They're not going to be the one of the top three or four payrolls. So they've got to do it a different way. And, and the point of this column, and the reason I pointed out Carlos Beltran in that, is that I think one thing the Rangers can do is the way they can go is obviously make smart baseball decisions, continue to be both embrace both draft and development, and and in, improve their their analytics department. But what this club needs to do is make itself a place where they they treat people well, both players and employees, where you end up with the best instructors, particularly in player development, where you get guys to the major leagues who are going to be in a position where they will be ready to maximize their skills, where there won't be that incredible growth period of, of just relying on raw talent and not having them equipped to, A, understand what opposing pitchers and opposing pitchers are, are doing, or not understand the data and the metrics and, and the, the, the meaning behind those things. So I think that's something the Rangers can address for pennies on the relative dollar this offseason is to start to really boost, again, the player development and scouting department, uh, work on in, improving their, their data and analytics department, and create an identity of this is a place you want to be because it is a good place to work, a competitive place to work, and we are going to treat you well. Those are all good. Is it, is it too late to do that with Ruggie Odor? No, it's not too late to do it with Ruggie Odor, but you're not going to do it in the minor leagues at this point. You no. know, he's going to have to learn at the big leagues. And I think that it is not a question of Ruggie not wanting to learn. I think that there were a number of factors in 2016, in 2017 that led to this really bad place that he was in. One of them was, I think, the pressure of the contract. A second part of it was that, you know, maybe, maybe the two weeks, three weeks that he was away from the club during the World Baseball Classic was time when they could have hammered home some message and worked some things during spring training. And I think the third part was when Beltre went out and he was put in the middle of the lineup, I think he felt like, I got to hit the home runs, I got to do all the run driving, uh, all the run producing, and I don't think he was ever able to dig himself out of that kind of thought process. Uh, this was, it gets back to the point I was going to make a while ago before you hijacked my, my question, Evan, uh, which was, not, not exactly hijacked, but you kind of did steal it. Is that I, I don't see this as a, I don't see this as a team bottoming out. I, I see it as a, a team that is going to have a, a bridge season or two here, where you try to get from where you are now to where you can be really competitive again, and 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 all these things you talk about are all good organizational things. I think these are all things the Rangers have learned about themselves, and I think it's all very good, uh, and it's, it it stands to be good for the team going forward in the long haul. Uh, but right now. I think that this team has to make decisions about players and talent that are conducive to them winning, being competitive now, 
but not putting themselves in a bad position for the long term. And that's a, and to me, that's a, that's a situation like a contract for a Jake Arrieta, who by the time this team is really going to be good, is probably over the hill. Uh, and, and I think that's why they need to be making decisions about guys. If you're going to sign an older guy to plug into the rotation, which is, I think, what they're going to have to do, it's going to be a one-year deal or, or maybe, you know, one year with an option, that kind of thing. Hope, hoping for an Andrew Kashner-like performance like you got this season, that's what you're going to have to do unless you're signing a 25- or 26-year-old guy who is going to be hitting his peak when you are expecting the, the organization to be hitting a peak. Well, I, I agree with you. I, I think the thing on Arietta is not just the 19 or $20 million a year that it would take, but I think you're talking about a five-year commitment and a pitcher who, if I'm not mistaken, will be 37 at the end of, the, of a five-year deal. If you're talking about Cobb and Lynn, those are both 30-year-old guys, and they've both been through um, – well, Lynn's been through Tommy John. I think Cobb had Tommy John as well, and, and they're both back, and, and their arms are actually fresh because they missed so much time. And so – you're talking about a younger guy on a four-year deal, maybe, uh, who would be 34 at the end of that deal and whose arms are pretty fresh as opposed to a guy like Arietta who has soaked up so many innings. Um, I, I think that there are some guys out there who might be attractive on two- or three-year deals, um, but they're going to be cheaper deals. They're going to be six- or seven- or eight-million-dollar deals. Think of the kind of deal that Charlie Morton signed with the Astros. Tyler Chatwood is a guy for me who might fit into that. And so that all goes back to the whole evaluation and, and valuing uh, of the players. But I think you're, you're right on the money there. Um, you're, you don't expect – I think you expect to, to potentially be in a position where you're going to make a big splash after 2018 because the free agent market is big. Uh, and then in 2020, you're going to be in a new stadium. So I, I feel like it might be a two-year process here. But if you're going to do that, you don't want to be paying for a guy who you're going to be expecting the best years of his contract to necessarily be 2018, because I don't think they can do enough in 2018 to turn this team into a dominant team. They will be playing for probably the second wild card. That doesn't mean it they can't go deep into the playoffs, but I think their best route is going to be, you know, this, or their most likely route to the playoffs is going to be the second wild card because the Astros aren't going anywhere. Um, the uh, the Indians and, and the Red Sox, you expect they'll, they'll both be very dominant or, or competitive in their division. The Yankees are certainly going to be competitive in the American League East, and so that's four playoff teams right there. Now tell me what you think that Dan Warden is going to bring to this uh, to this pitching alliance here and coaching, and what this is going to be, what this is going to mean. Does this mean that Doug Brokale is is having a little bit of his authority chipped away, or are they just trying to get as many voices into the, these pitchers' heads as possible? I'm really confused by what the Rangers are doing, to be honest with you, on. Uh, with this move, but I do think I do think they made the right decision for the route they're going. I do think they made the right decision for a couple of reasons. Warden's been a longtime pitching coach. I think he's and, and he was a pitching coach in New York, which will wear you out. Um, and, and I think that he's in a position right now. There's my birdhouse, coach. Evan. What are you doing? What are you doing? Should, should we call nine one one? Is somebody trying to break down your door? They're building some more artificial stuff here at Disney World. Oh, um, it's so Warden, great. 
Worthen, I, I think, is at a point in his career, I think he's 67, where what he wants to do is just simply help out. And he can help Doug Brokale out with the prep stuff, with, with um, uh, as being a sounding board for the pitching coach in-game. Um, and I, these guys have a relationship. I believe Dan was, was Doug's pitching coach at one point in time. Uh, so I think there's a lot of aspects for this kind of un, unorthodox, somewhat unprecedented situation where you're going to have an assistant pitching coach kind of going back and forth between the bullpen and the dugout. I, I, I think that it looks weird, but I think the personnel will work well together. Um, uh, and it can also, you know, if, if Hector Ortiz needs some help in the bullpen um, working with those pitchers, since he's a catcher and not a pitcher, I think that um, I think Worthen can help out there. I think he just basically wants to to help and assist, and I don't think he's got any designs on being a pitching coach. Uh, I think the Rangers are just, you know, Jeff Bannister. I, I've used this before. I've said it before. I still believe it very strongly. This is the son of a high school football coach. He likes football coaching type staff. He likes big staff. He likes lots of different guys with different responsibilities. I think he's trying to bring that 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 approach here, where you know, Brocale is basically his pitching coordinator, so to speak, and Worthen is you know, to, to make an analogy, Worthen's the uh, if, if if Brocale is the defensive coordinator, Worthen is the defensive line coach, and and Ortiz is the secondary coach in in some regards. Who who is the assistant head coach? Is is that the new bench coach? That would be the new old bench coach right. Don, Don, Don Wakamatsu, which what did, what, I think is a, a. I also think is a really strong hire, and and the Rangers are really just fortunate. This is a case actually where I think quality of life and um, uh, and Texas came into play because Wak still lives in. Uh, I think he lives in Euless. He lives in one of the mid cities. Um, I always get my my Hearst, uh, Euless, and Bedford uh, Your uh, uh, borders. Yeah, I, I always get the borders for those three mixed up. But I think he is in Euless, and um, he wanted to. He, he had other opportunities. Um, he wanted to be back at home, and I think you know. I, I, I think this is a good situation for the Rangers. Uh, I'm not entirely sure why the Rangers decided to move Steve Bouchelle to first base, but I've also heard that Bouchelle basically went to Jeff Bannister and said, look, if you've got a chance to get a guy like Don Wakamatsu, I've got no problem going to first base because that's the kind of guy Steve Bouchelle is. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. I wasn't sure if there was a problem between the two of them or not. Um, uh, but, you know, if, you, if you, you've, you've got two hitting coaches on that team, and hitting's never really been that much, or at least not until this year, and never been a real problem for the Rangers. I don't know why you wouldn't have two pitching coaches. I guess that's maybe one of the, the, the ways they look at this. Uh, you know, and as you as you said, you know, when we were growing up and watching baseball and covering baseball, there were there was no such thing as a bench coach either. Uh, so right. so now this maybe this you is, know in large in large regard, Kevin. You know, the the bullpen coach had for most teams had usually been another pitcher or right. a guy with a pitching background. Sure. So that was your your assistant pitching coach. This way they kind of get three guys um, with hands-on on the pitchers um, and also have one who's got a catcher's perspective, which gives them uh, maybe a better idea, maybe a kind of a better 
voice for strategic planning and pitch sequencing and, and, and calling of pitches. So it does give them kind of a, a unique perspective. I just think the unique way of going about this is you usually don't see that assistant pitching coach be somebody who's ever in the dugout. And I, I do think that, you know, Worthen will have the ability to kind of bounce during games between the, 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 bull, the, the, the dugout and the bullpen if he so wants to. So, Evan, let me ask you this. Uh, how many times have you been over to Magic Kingdom since you've been there? Well, if um, if you count taking the wrong turn once again this morning, um, uh, I did end up in a parking lot there uh, today, um, but got got out. I, I hate Orlando, Kevin. Let me just oh oh, that's said um, like a guy who used to live in Coco. Did you live in Coco? I lived in Melbourne. I didn't actually live in Coco. Mm. Um, but the, the, here's the thing. Okay, first of all, if you you talk about Florida, you want to be near a beach, right? Yeah, yeah. But there's and, beaches Orlando, at Disney World. In Orlando, yeah. In Orlando, you're probably as physically as far away from any beach in Florida as you possibly could be. Uh, the second part of it is that because of all the theme parks, there's all these weirdly routed roadways to um, that's hard to traffic say. different ways. And if you take a wrong turn, you are go ahead, say kind of screwed, to be say perfectly it. honest. Yeah, yeah. And, and the third part is Disney the, being benevolent and wanting to fuel your kids up on as much sugar as possible. Also, it seems like they like to overcharge for a lot of different things. No. But how is that? At Disney and its affiliated resorts. So, um... Oh, and the fourth thing is anybody who's driving here has no idea where they're going. So they just, they're all tourists, they're, and, and these roadways are funky. And so they just basically stop in the middle of the road often. And, and that, <laughs> I see no problem with that. That's, that's, I mean, that's kind of how Barry goes about yeah. things in real life. But that's, uh, it doesn't seem like it's real conducive to avoiding the wreck. Evan, will you be back with us next week? Will you be back in Dallas and in the studio? You know, I will not be I, back. I, I know Kevin there. won't be there, but we're, I'm doing a little uh, advanced work here. Scouting work. Scouting work. We, we, I'll be here. I'll be there to hold your hand. Why is Kevin going up to Arkansas? I'm going up I'm going up for this weekend's game, and then I'm just staying. Who do they, play, who do they, who do they lose to this weekend? You know, I got to tell you, I don't even remember. I don't even, we go to see, you know, Olivia uh, perform. Uh, with the pom-poms? With, they're, they're actually, and they're performing at the basketball game on Friday night, so I'm getting there in time to see that. So two for one? Two for one, yeah. And then I'm staying all week through Thanksgiving for the game on the following Friday. At, at, the, at the in-laws. Who, staying with the in-laws. Who's yeah. Arkansas got this week? I just asked him. He didn't know. I, I don't even know. Who is it this week? Is it, um, they've already played their bad uh, non-conference game against Coastal Carolina, which they almost lost that game. Right. I, I think they've got. I think they've got Missouri in one of their last two games, and I think they've got. Uh, I thought they had Mississippi State because they played the. Do they have Kansas? The game last week. They don't have. They don't have Kansas, they don't right? Have Kansas, they don't have. Can, they don't have Baylor conference. and Kansas. I know. <clears throat> no, uh, I, I think that's correct. I think uh, Evan, you're right. It's it's Missouri and uh, Mississippi State. So maybe I'll get to see and, Dan Mullen next. Maybe I'll get to see the next coach at uh, Texas A and M in person. Are you? Is he going to be the next coach at A and M or the next coach at Florida? Florida's trying to. Uh, Florida, according uh, to Pete Thamel, uh, they're trying. He's trying to. They're trying to get Chip Kelly. It's a done deal. It's a, he makes it sound like it's almost a done deal. 
So how about yeah, that? I, how's he, Evan? How's you know, he? I could I, I could see Chip Kelly being big and brassy in Florida. I, I, as Feinbaum really did point out on our on our show, I can't see Chip Kelly flying in in College Station. How's, no, 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 me neither. I, I, I think Florida's a good but, choice there. I, I think that uh, that Dan Mullen, if he if he looks at Tennessee and if he thinks that A and M will be open. I think if you're going to look at one of those two, I think he thinks probably the A&M has a better shot. Because, of, again, because of the recruiting. Base. Leaves us with, with this question. Is Lane Kiffin the coach at Arkansas next year? Lane <laughs> Kiffin? Oh, my gosh. I think I'd rather bring I back mean, Bobby Petrino. What is Arkansas going to do? Yeah, I don't, you know what? I tell you I'm, what. I'm, I'm sitting here with two Arkansas dads. If I could get, we brought this up. If I could get Matt Campbell to, to leave Iowa State, I think that'd be a great hire. For, for the, Arkansas. Uh, the, he can do better. The guy, at UCF, the guy at UCF, Scott Frost, I think, is also going to be a, uh, a hot commodity. Well, Scott Frost, if he doesn't get if he doesn't Nebraska, get, right? if he doesn't get the Florida job, I think he'd go back to Nebraska, which is where he played, and I, I think oh, that would be a, a great hire for for Nebraska. He was the quarterback at Nebraska, wasn't he? That's correct. Maybe so, yeah, maybe Kevin Sumlin can move over to uh, Arkansas. I'm going to tell you something, Kevin Sumlin. If, if he gets canned, he'll get another job. Arkansas? Hey, Kevin, someone going to Arkansas wouldn't be a bad, wouldn't necessarily be a bad hire. I, I just think, I, I, all I know is, you know, I go back to that Auburn game, the one that I saw in person. I, I looked at, at the, I watched a little bit of the game on TV on Saturday. That club doesn't look very interested in playing football either. So um, enjoy seeing Olivia dance. Um, it's certainly that and the tailgate. Uh, will be the highlights of the football portion of your weekend. Yes, It'll it be will. Mississippi State first, then Missouri. There we go. Okay. Okay. I will uh, I will come in and hold Barry's hand on Tuesday unless we decide to take Thanksgiving week off. Well, I've already got some guests lined up for next Tuesday, Evan. Holy cow, then I'll be there, Gary. Uh, Barry. Gary. <laughs> Gary. Oh, Wherever you are. <laughs> uh, oh, okay, Kevin and Bevan and whatever. Uh, Evan, thanks so much for taking – Time out of your busy day at, with Mickey, at, with with the general managers, and we're going to sure play for our uh, for Mark Conradi uh, when we asked you what uh, what you're doing there and and your non response. <laughs> Who's in charge of all the finances at the Dallas Morning News? I uh, I don't yeah I I don't recall I don't recall any of that, Senator. <laughs> Yeah. Evan, thanks so much for being with us. Uh, we really enjoyed having you. We had a great day on the podcast. We had Barry Trammell talking college football and a lot of Oklahoma. We had David Moore uh, doing an autopsy on the Cowboys. I think we did a pre-autopsy already on the Cowboy-Eagles game, which I don't think will be as lopsided as people think, but you never know. And then uh, your fine talk about uh, the general manager meetings and what lays uh, what's in store for the Rangers next season. Thanks for being with us, Evan. All right, guys, go have a nice lunch, and uh, I'll miss you. Let's <laughs> see you, Evan. Bye. You know, Bye. we could we could probably have lunch here in Dallas for what Evan is spending, like, on breakfast. We could probably eat the rest of the week here. For what Evan, are you still there? Oh, he's gone. Good. He's gone now. So now we can talk about it. We could probably eat the rest of the week in some really fancy and nice places here in Dallas for what he's going to spend on lunch today. That's correct. But he's gathering really good information. He's, he's really getting good face time with these other general managers. That's what That was the story he was selling to Gary Level anyway. Is, is, that, is that it? Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I want to wish you have a great, great vacation. I will. Thank you very when, much. When are you leaving? Friday. Friday afternoon. Friday. All right. And, get there for the uh, basketball game. 
I'll, I'll be here trying to fill in for you. I'll you know be here what? carrying a, 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 third, a third bucket. Wow. I'll be you carrying, and your buckets. <laughs> I'll be carrying a third bucket. I want to thank, you know, I don't know if you saw Brian's uh, slipped in. Brian, Brian Elge has come in. You know, it's always he, great to have the master come in and be running the, the board. The master us. control. Uh, we, 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 we flew for a while there without a producer, without somebody on the control. And you know what? I think it went pretty well. You know, it was, it was kind of like uh, when the substitute teacher's in. You know, or has left the class, you know, and then the kids go crazy. Or you, what, you were up there, like, monkeying around with the controls and everything. It was fun. Give lots of good information. All right, everybody. I think we've, we've reached the limit of our banter. Yeah. <laughs> the limit of endurance. Limit of endurance for anybody. If anybody is still listening, thanks for listening. Uh, and tune us in or go, go to – where can they go to find us? Well, they uh, go to subscribe. Audio Boom and, and, and Or iTunes or, or subscribe on iTunes because no matter prefer? how many thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of listeners we get, our bosses always say yes, but they have to go to iTunes and subscribe. subscribe. So we'd, we'd like to urge everybody listening, please – I have kids. I don't have kids that have to get through college anymore, but I have but grand, I, I have grandchildren I have to get through college. Please go subscribe so we can be, be here next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Rangers Ballsy Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see ya. Mm-hmm.